Regular Minute Podcast, the healthcare podcast focusing on precision oncology, molecular profiling, and how both are heavily integrated in taking care of patients and in advancing therapeutics for cancer care, as well as improving the outcomes of patients with cancer. I am your host, Shadi Nabhan, and I'm the chairman of the Precision Oncology Alliance at Karis Life Sciences. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting Dr. Michael Korn, who is the Chief Medical Officer at Karis Life Sciences, and he is a GI oncologist at the University of California in San Francisco. Dr. Michael Korn is going to talk to us about the Fallfox AI predictor, which is uh, an innovative approach that has been developed at Karis Life Sciences that allows oncologists treating patients with metastatic colon cancer decide on the best first-line therapy for patients with this disease. I hope that you enjoy this podcast episode. And as always, please let me know what you think, what we can do better, and any feedback. You can reach me directly at cnabhan at karisls.com. Without further ado, Dr. Michael Korn on the Karis Molecular Minute podcast. So it's really my pleasure to host on our podcast today, Dr. Michael Korn, who is the Chief Medical Officer at uh, Karis Life Sciences. And we're going to have a nice chat today about some of the really great work that has been done at Karis that combined science with something I don't really understand very well, artificial intelligence and machine learning and stuff like that. But the, the ultimate goal is to figure out better ways to customize treatments for patients. Michael, welcome to the Karis Molecular Minute podcast. I appreciate you taking time of your schedule. Just for folks who are listening to you, maybe a little bit about you, some background and um, what you do at Karis and outside of Karis, because I know that you also have a clinical practice. So uh, tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me here, Chadi. Uh, it's wonderful that you started this uh, podcast series. It's my uh, great pleasure to be part of it. So just a little bit about uh, how I got uh, here. I am by training a GI oncologist and have a um, long-standing interest in uh, molecular oncology. That uh, started back when I was trained in Germany um, where I worked on molecular changes in cancer. And then I have been a scientist uh, and oncologist at the University of California, San Francisco for over 20 years, where my scientific work uh, focused a lot on understanding the molecular complexities of cancers and using uh, those uh, to come up with meaningful treatment uh, concepts. And now uh, in my role as chief medical officer at Keras, uh, I'm really able to work with a, a really fantastic group of colleagues on um, taking some of these ideas uh, to a level where we start delivering precision oncology uh, to a large number of uh, patients with cancer. So for me, I'm coming full circle from um, initially trying to understand how cancer looks like at the molecular level, and now helping Keras to develop a very complex biomarkers that are increasingly guiding 
what kind of treatment a patient should get who presents uh, with cancer. So one of the things that you've worked on along with other colleagues at, at Caris is the um, helping physicians in the decision-making when they're faced uh, with metastatic colorectal cancer and they're trying to make a decision for first-line treatment. Um, and I think this is the Folfox AI, Folfox MI. I mean, you're going to tell us about this. How did this all start and what led to this type of project that um, I believe you've been, you and others have been working on this for, for quite some time? This was, it's really based or maybe just to kind of quickly summarize what we are talking about so that your listeners uh, know. So we at Keras developed uh, a molecular predictor that um, is uh, quite predictive for patients who are um, treated with uh, Folfox chemotherapy in first line uh, for colorectal cancer to have benefit or no benefit from this kind of treatment. And we call this Folfox AI, this uh, molecular signature. And the reason why we started working on this is really based on a more kind of a general observation that goes beyond colorectal cancer, which is that we continue using standard treatments such as chemotherapy or radiation radiation treatment across many cancer types in a very indiscriminate form. We treat essentially all patients the same. At the same time, our molecular knowledge about these various cancer types tells us that there are actually, for most of uh, cancers that we deal with in the clinic, there are molecularly defined subtypes. And they have different biology, different properties uh, at the molecular and functional level. And therefore, the expectation is that they should respond differently to these kind of standard treatments. So the, the big headline here is really to start building molecular signatures that can help guide making the right and better treatment decisions for individual patients by coming to an increasing individualization of these um, treatment decisions. So we chose uh, the colorectal cancer indication as the first one to try to come up with a um, molecular predictor using artificial intelligence. Because in this clinical setting, two chemotherapy combinations have been established as essentially equivalent first-line treatments. And so these are either Folfox, combination of 5-FU and oxaliplatin, or Folfiri, combination of 5-FU and ionotecan. Currently, they are looked at as equivalent, and it's essentially dealer's choice with one of these treatments to start the patients. In the United States, most doctors uh, use Folfox, although that is associated with, a, um, with the development of neuropathy frequently, which can last and is a major quality of life. So we thought we could really help uh, making the decision which one of these two treatments to use. Um, based on a number of observations, we know that in colon cancer, there are for sure several subtypes that are molecularly defined. The best way uh, that has been, uh, this has been done so far is with the 
consensus uh, molecular uh, signature CMS classification, where we, that defines four subtypes of uh, colorectal cancer. In addition, there is clinical experience that sometimes patients we start on one treatment, let's say Folfox, might not respond well, but when we switch them to Fulfiri, all of a sudden we see a response. So all this thing together um, led us to the hypothesis that if we are able to help uh, physicians to choose the best first-line treatment, that this will actually influence the overall survival of um, patients with this disease. And it also hopefully, you know, from a trade-off perspective, if you're giving the right therapy, then the toxicity that you are experiencing as a patient may be quote-unquote worth it because you you know you're going to get that benefit from that treatment versus getting toxicity without knowing if you are going to benefit from the treatment. So then how did you go around it? So the theory is you want to try to customize the proper therapy for patients. How did you execute on the project and what did you find? So the first uh, very important part of that story is at Keris, we have been essentially analyzing tumors, ca cancer, especially from uh, advanced uh, cancers for more than 10 years. We were essentially the first uh, company in this field. And with that, we were able to accumulate a large data set on molecular findings in all kinds of cancers. In recent years, we were able to add to this information on molecular abnormalities, a large data set on clinical parameters, including treatment information, prescription information, procedure information, and also information on uh, overall survival and death dates. So now combining these two uh, data sets has led to an, a very large a data set of uh, about 160,000 patients. That is extremely powerful because now you can ask questions as, you know, the colorectal cancer example demonstrates, where you ask which molecular features are associated with what kind of clinical parameter, let it be duration of treatment or overall survival. And so, the existing of this data set now allowed us to apply a very complex and innovative artificial intelligence approach. So that's the second component of the story. We were able to build, again, uh, in-house at Keras, a cutting-edge artificial intelligence computational platform. And what that does is it combines a number of mathematical modeling uh, approaches, as well as machine learning algorithms to figure out what combination of molecular features best predicts a particular outcome of interest. So we use this data set and this computational um, uh, setup to initially build a signature that appeared to be predictive. And this was using what we would call real-world evidence to come to that predictor. And then we were able actually to assemble a second real-world evidence data set that was independent from the data set that we used to establish the signature 
to ask the question, in an independent cohort of patients, is it still predictive of benefit from Folfox chemotherapy? And the answer was yes. Actually, with great statistical significance, we can make this prediction. And when you say benefit, Michael, you mean overall survival? Yeah, so we had our initial benefit um, definition had uh, to do with essentially utilizing a surrogate endpoint. In real-world evidence, we don't have classic uh, response, clinic, clinical trial type response criteria uh, available to us, such as RESIST. So we use surrogate endpoints like time to next treatment as one of the endpoints. So this was one that we built, used to build and validate the model. And the other one is, as you say, uh, uh, survival as a pretty kind of hard endpoint. And so our predictor is predictive of both in first-line colorectal cancer. So if I'm an oncologist in practice and I'm seeing a patient with metastatic colorectal cancer and I send the specimen to look at the sequencing, um, I will get back a genomic signature that will tell me if I'm better off starting my patient on Folfox or if I'm better off starting my patients on Forfiri? Yes, so um, maybe to, you know, now when you're talking about now, the clinical application of this. It is very important for oncologists to know that our validation process did not stop with looking at this uh, second real-world evidence cohort. It, what we actually did in order to really come to, to for, firm conclusions is we pursued a strategy that is known as retrospective prospective validation. And so what we did is we started collaborating with a um, group of Italian scientists who had just published results of the TRIPE-2 study, which compared Folfox as first-line treatment with a, a triple combination called, called Folfoxiri. And we were able to analyze all available samples from that study. And we were able to confirm in that study that our predictor was predictive of outcome from Folfox, but also Folfox here. We also had a, another real-world evidence cohort of patients who had received Folfiri as first-line treatment. And in that cohort, actually the prediction is inverse. When the predictor, predictor says, this patient will probably have a poor benefit from Folfox, those patients have actually improved benefit from Folfiri. So now, we can actually start talking to the oncologists and say, what we're reporting out to, the to, to them is essentially a black and white prediction. A predictor will either say, this patient will have an improved benefit from Folfox or a decreased benefit. And this is what we are reporting out to the oncologists. And this will enable them to make that uh, initial treatment choice. And Michael, I know you've been generous with your time, but maybe a couple of questions that come to mind as I listen to you. How much of this uh, predictor model is more specific to the histology versus the treatment? As an example, let's say an oncologist wants to use Folfox for gastric cancer or Folfox for pancreatic cancer. I, I realize that there are other regimens, but they, they, they could do that. Is that type of a genomic profiling predictor applies 
for the same regimen regardless of what you are using the regimen for? We actually believe the answer is yes. We have preliminary data in pancreatic cancer, in uh, esophageal cancer, gastroesophageal cancer, uh, that show us that this predictor is most likely also predictive in those diseases. We have very interesting findings in pancreatic cancer where which seems to be very predictive of uh, response to sulfurinox, uh, but not predictive at all of benefit from napaclitaxel plus gemcitabine. And so that tells you that there is probably a cross-disease relevance of this, and also it highlights the specificity because it's really not just a chemotherapy predictor. It's really specific for this kind of platinum-based treatment. We are in the process of adding data to what we have already in these other diseases to solidify this further. So right now, our kind of recommendation is really to fo focus on colorectal cancer, but I strongly believe this will uh, turn out to be relevant to these other diseases uh, too. And this work is going to be submitted for publication and, and hopefully we'll see it in print in the next uh, couple of months, uh, I presume. Is it fair to say that this type of an approach might apply to other cancers moving forward? Because, I mean, you and I know that there are so many other cancers out there where there's a little bit of lack of clarity. What's your first-line treatment that you need to start? Uh, and oftentimes you start based on, you know, patient's toxicity or perceived tolerance based on the physician experience, uh, many factors, but it's never based on the precise things. And I could think of so many other cancers. I mean, Bladder cancer is one of them. There are so many other treatments. Kidney cancer is another one with so many possible options. Is that something that's fair to say that um, at Caris uh, there's a plan to look at various other tumors and looking at the proper sequencing of therapy? Yes, absolutely. Um, this whole Folfox project started essentially as a demonstration project because we realized there's a, you know, this big picture here of treatment response heterogeneity in that you see in essentially any tumor type. And we see these molecular subtypes, molecular heterogeneity in almost any cancer type you can imagine. So we believe this is just the very beginning of a very, very broad development. My prediction is that in a few years, no patient wants to be treated without knowledge of where they fall on the molecular spectrum when uh, and they want to make treatment decisions in the most educated form and this will not be possible without that we understand the molecular makeup of these cancers well that's great look thank you very much i think that's really very exciting about uh, this uh, ability to predict which regimen to start and um that's great work. We look forward to seeing it in print. Uh, any final thoughts before we let you go? Well, I very much appreciate the time and giving me the opportunity to talk to you. I think you, know, you can tell how excited we are about this. Lots of energy and resources are going into this. And stay tuned. Thank you, everyone. I appreciate you taking the time and listening to the Keras Molecular Minute podcast. I hope you learned a few things that you did not know before. And if you did, then our mission is partially accomplished. Stay safe. 
And until next time, take care of yourselves. And thank you for listening.